Hello everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Sights on Sinnoh, the Diamond and Pearl anime review podcast with myself, Will, and one of our rotating co-hosts, JM. How are you doing this week? Doing pretty well this week. How are you, Will? Pretty good myself. We did get some news on the upcoming Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl games, which I am more excited for, but also a little... I don't know, maybe surprised that there wasn't more information with this announcement? Yeah, all we got was the date and game box photos. Yeah. Very, very, very detailed game box photos, which are a bit unnerving. It's like, wow, how how uh how detailed are these battles gonna look like if this is what oh, the models are? Right. But... They they went overboard from everyone complaining about the graphics for Sword and Shield. So like we'll show them. Yeah, got hit the other side of the spectrum with this super detailed look at Dialga and Palkia. But, I mean, better than nothing, I guess. And also the Arceus games got a cover as well. So we're getting a two-for-one special that day with the, both Sinnoh games. Yeah, and it just, for me, just makes it feel more real. It, I mean, mm-hmm. I know people have already started their countdowns or whatever, and they're on like 177 days oh or whatever I'm like okay you don't need to do that but we're we're getting there and you know it's it's more than just the 30 second promo footage that we saw you know the original diamond and pearl games are pretty lengthy in terms mm-hmm. of story and just in terms of like the narrative setup because you kind of go all over the place around Sinnoh several times before yes. the story is over um and even exactly and even though everyone or a lot of people are familiar with the story and know like how to get through the game it's still probably going to take a good amount of time and there's still a lot of speculation and uncertainty on if they're going to have the same amount of post-game content more less um how much like newer generation features are going to be added in so that's going to probably impact how long people are playing this game and if they're going to still be playing around the time that uh legends comes out and for instance with pokemon snap which just came out people still ended up playing that longer than they expected for the most part so i i assume we'll see something similar and I don't know how that will cut into the Legends release time. True. I I think there's a lot to speculate there for sure because we're so far away. We still barely only have the covers other than the original trailer. But we're all excited to see what this evolution of a former game looks like now on the Switch. And Yeah, very excited to see that. Yeah. And speaking of evolution, this is what this whole episode is about (laughs) as we cover Diamond and Pearl episode 21 titled You Wanna See an Evolution. And with that incredible segue, I'm going to go right into the blurb. It really nailed it there. Thank you. Thank you. As Team Rocket trudges through Sinnoh, they run into the Magikarp salesman who has tricked them many times before. This time, he cons them into buying an evolution machine that will evolve a Pokemon in any time. Or so he says. Elsewhere, Ash and his friends hear about the B-Button League, a group of coordinators who never evolved their Pokemon. The rumors, the rumors say that they have a beautiful Feebas and a powerful Magikarp. So Ash and his friends go to check it out. This is 
an interesting episode in a way that I think is kind of refreshing, but also a little disappointing in its execution. I I 100% agree with you on this. <laughs> it's It's an interesting take. I think it builds off of some things that we've seen in previous episodes because we've had a lot of evolutions. I think mm-hmm. at least at least three, the ones that you and I covered last time I was on. Um, so that was two, and then the Rampardos evolution mm-hmm. in the um, in the Orberg oh, arc. So we we've had a lot of focus on evolution, and it's nice to see a different take on it. It's it's neat that they mentioned there is backtracking in the games and it's necessary backtracking to get to Floroma town from Orberg. You have to go through Jubilife again. Mm, and yeah. the narrator mentions that at the beginning, he's, he says that heroes find themselves back in Jubilife. So it is like, it makes sense. I feel like people would have complained if somehow Ash, Don and Brock ended up in Floroma without going back to Jubilife. Um, but I think it still kind of falls short a bit. Right. And there is also a, one of the issues kind of related to what I have with this episode is that when they get to Jubilife, there's a reporter there who immediately just comes up to Ash and asks if he's ever considered using machinery to evolve his Pokemon. And she's like, Oh, I'm from the Jubilife TV network or something. And I'm like, what? Why are you asking him this? It's really on the nose. And I get that they're just trying to keep the Team Rocket segment like fresh in the viewer's mind. Because I, I guess we just sort of skipped that. But Team Rocket mm-hmm. buys an evolution machine from the Magikarp salesman, as you said in the blurb. Um, you know, the, the beloved character that everyone totally remembers. <laughs> the, the Magikarp salesman. Which we discovered, actually, and to my understanding, was only really in the Sinnoh, uh, not Sinnoh, in the SSN episode back in Kanto, way back in season one. But apparently he's popped up several times, especially in Hoenn. And not only that, he's also in more than the Kanto games. Yeah, so in looking this up, because I haven't seen every episode to this point, and I definitely do not remember the Magikarp salesman that much. It, sh- it looks like he showed up in this is his ninth episode showing up in the anime. It's which is yeah, a surprisingly lot, high amount. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of episodes for a character that's played as a gag in the original games as mm-hmm. the guy who scams you out of buying a Magikarp, which he- is. You know, not the best Pokemon to be buying. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the interesting spin here, is that in the anime, it actually is more of a scam to buy this Magikarp than it is in the games. Because in the games, you know for sure you can evolve that at level 20. But here, it's like evolution is treated as a way that you can't really control, except for specific circumstances. Um... And that's kind of the whole point of them buying this machine from the salesman in the first place. It's like, oh, with this machine, we can make Pokemon a lot more powerful by just evolving them. Um, But that's never really been 
something Team Rocket has focused on, so it was a little out of the blue for them to just immediately buy into this concept and hand over all this money to to get on board with it. Yeah, especially because they don't necessarily know what they're going to encounter and use mm. this machine on. Exactly, and it becomes much more apparent as we get a little further into the episode when we're introduced to Magikarp and to Feebas. Maybe it's because the Magikarp salesman mentioned, or first of all, a Magikarp jumps at James, so they have Magikarp and Gyarados on the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he specifically says to like bundle it with the Magikarp, which we never actually get his Magikarp. <laughs> and that would have solved the episode right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also offers them a Feebas. It's like a quick throwaway line. He asks, like, oh, you guys want a Feebas instead? He does, so, and I looked this up. He also sold them a Feebas last time in Hoenn, but it was a Magikarp that was painted to look like a Feebas. <laughs> so I guess that's, that's why even he, better. Yeah, that's that's why I'm assuming they were still mad at him when he started just yelling these offers at Team Rocket. And I think this is one of those moments. I I wasn't aware of that. I think there's so many jokes and references in this mm-hmm. episode specifically that appeal to the hardcore fans that recognize and notice all of these details mm-hmm. because there's a few more coming up that it's like very clearly alluding to not just the previous adventures in the anime, but also things in real life, such as the real life game consoles. Yes, that's, this is such a weird episode for that reason, where it's really fillerish in terms <laughs> of moving the plot forward. But then there's all these weird Easter eggs and references that really put it in a category of its own and its comedic intent, I guess. It, it, yeah. Where this episode, I wouldn't recommend anyone to watch unless you just want to be kind of entertained and also if you understand these references. Because otherwise, I don't see a lot of people enjoying this. No, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's a good way to, to sum it up. I didn't even realize some of this until I looked at the Bulbapedia page. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now, but... I, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> right. I've I've watched through it twice because I do for all these episodes, but or all the episodes that I'm on, but I really wish I barely watched it once. <laughs> it's a very T-Rocket focused episode and this can be good, but it feels very forced in how it's mm-hmm. executed in terms of like why they even get this machine. Why do they want it? And how conveniently our heroes stumble into Jubilife and find an organization called the B-Button League, which in itself is an interesting concept, but it's not explored nearly as well as it could be. Right. It's it's interesting, and like I said earlier, uh, it's neat that they have a different take on evolution. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a new one. So the B-Button League, their whole shtick is that they want to win contests. They're contest coordinators, so they want to win contests with Pokemon that they train themselves that they do not evolve. Mm-hmm. They intentionally do not evolve. evolve. And 
their name is a reference to the B button on the games on mm-hmm. whatever game console you're playing on at this point in time, the DS, where you press the B button when a Pokemon's about to evolve and it stops. But that doesn't exist in no in the anime at all. I don't think other than like the Everstone, there's really a way to stop evolution in the anime. In the anime, no, but I have seen an interpretation of the B button being used in the manga, but never in the same way. And the way they do it in the manga is there's a trainer who has a Pokedex and also doesn't like his Pokemon evolving. Or, uh, yeah, they don't like their Pokemon evolving. So when they press the B button on the Pokedex, that's what halts the evolution. Oh, which hmm. I think is cool again because as we saw earlier, the Pokedex that Paul was using showed the moves of of his Pokemon and like stats and nature, all that stuff supposedly. And I think using it in this way as well, where it's kind of breaking the fourth wall, is explaining a lot of the in-game mechanics as if they were real-world applications. Right, and I do like that because a lot of the Pokedex designs are based off of whatever handheld mm-hmm. console uh, the game is set in, uh, particularly the uh, Sinnoh and Unova Pokedex. They're really focused on having that dual screen layout to match <laughs> the DS. Yeah, they're like, you need this, you need the, that DS to sell. Um, but yeah, that's where the origin of the B button league's name comes from. And they only seems to have two members uh, showing off a Feebas and a Magikarp, which are both kind of themed around what their stereotype would be, where Magikarp is kind of viewed as a very weak Pokemon, and Feebas is viewed as an ugly Pokemon. Their presentation here is that Magikarp here is one of the strongest Magikarp ever, and Feebas, on the contrary, is one of the most beautiful Feebas ever given that that's kind of the um, the inverse of what you would expect to see them. And that's all due to them being preserved as this evolutionary form and trained as much as they can be in this way, which is cool. That particular detail is what I think makes it stand out from other times we've been presented with this concept of not letting your Pokemon evolve. Agreed. And... It is, or they are two different species that are really focused on evolution. Like they come up a lot whenever you talk about evolution for Pokemon because they're relatively weak or drab Pokemon to start. And then Milotic is. They're the Pokemon that you're like excited to catch because you know what they'll evolve into typically. Right. You're never really excited to get them just to have them. and part of that is their move sets are mm-hmm. both terrible. Yes. Phoebus um, does have a better time a little bit, uh, but Magikarp is still pretty much stuck with just splash, flail, and tackle in, in this generation. Right. Phoebus learns other moves, usually by TM, HM, mm-hmm. or eggs, but it does have the same learn set by level up. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, neither of them have anything really to... To boast about in that category. And we don't see them, like, true to the games, we don't see them use anything 
out of the ordinary, except at the end, uh, Fibas does use a TM move. Exactly, yeah. And that's what kind of interests Ash and Dawn as they find their way at the Biba and League's headquarters, which is a pool, basically. <laughs> it's like, well, we only have these two Pokemon, so I guess we'll build it around the battle arena around them because they're fish Pokemon. And which, which the Pokemon says, or the Pokedex says for both of them. Yes. It's Feebas, the fish Pokemon, and Magikarp, also the fish Pokemon. <laughs> real, real yeah. creative here. And they also mentioned, oh, this is, evolves to Gyarados and this evolves into Milotic, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll mention it this time. Right. So here. They like they battle. Like this is the whole point of this thing is they battle. Um, we do get a moment of Krogunk interfering with uh, Brock as he tries to seduce one of the trainers, but it's basically just a show of Piplup battling in the water for the first time versus the Magikarp, and mm-hmm. Don explicitly saying, "Oh, I want to see how magic how I want to see how Piplup moves in the water." We really haven't seen that except for like the one time that it did a really bad job at trying to help Ash rescue Turtwig. Right. But this battle just kind of shows how powerful and capable this magic carp is more than anything else as it zooms through the water, dodges Piplup's attacks. Absolutely and... wrecks this Piplup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Using oh, just man. tackle, basically. It's the yeah, it's the only thing you can really do other than avoid. So uh, Piplup just gets a fierce beat down and not gets knocked out with like one tackle. Um, right. It's, it's really surprising, and it they do a good job of showcasing how strong these mm-hmm. Pokemon are, uh, especially since the anime doesn't really focus on level or. You know, IVs, EVs, any of the like technical stuff that would determine how strong this right. Pokemon would be in the games. Yeah, it definitely portrays the battle in a very tense way and shows how how focused Magikarp's face is throughout the whole thing uh, in a very Gyarados-like fashion, you might say. So mm-hmm. th- this ends the first battle... And then Ash is even more psyched to jump in. So he comes in with Pikachu and Don's immediately saying, oh yeah, Pikachu's going to be super effective here because electric beats water. So uh, she did not learn much from the, <laughs> the Orberg City gym battle where the whole thing there was, um, you can still win if, even if you have a type advantage, disadvantage. Right. Um, and throughout all this, we also get Team Rocket trying to make their way in here, disguised as the C button league, and somehow get away with it as Jesse does a horrible job in maintaining their cover. I do like here that they fully acknowledge that no name for the B button league makes sense other than the blatant reference to the games. Yes, that's true. It's a very meta moment as they're like, well, what does it stand for and like they could just say it's the pokedex but no (laughs) right they could easily explain it away Mm -hmm. and they just decide not to but uh that's i guess that's the fun of it if you want to take it the optimistic way um right but they're spectating there with the guys of observing and putting them in their like magazine i guess 
Yeah, they it's say unclear. They're like running an article, and later they mm-hmm. say they want to set up like a photo shoot to feature these Pokemon in their article. Yes. Yeah, so with the power of the press, they manipulate their way <laughs> into this arena. But as soon as we see Ash and Phoebus get into their battle, um, or Ash and Ash's Pikachu and this super strong Magikarp, um, it kind of ends in a tie after like a lot of tense zooming around <laughs> because they're in water uh, and a climactic end with Pikachu's Iron Tail and Magikarp's tackle causing an explosion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very overpowered once again. Yes, it, it just kind of shows that they're pretty evenly matched, which is kind of cool. It's like, oh yeah, this Magikarp's actually pretty capable. But in that moment, um, as they are kind of calming down after the battle, we see Team Rocket just nonchalantly scoop out the fish <laughs> from the tank and reveal themselves as uh, their true selves. Uh as they've now captured the Phoebus and Magikarp, they do the whole model thing. And Brock has a moment here where he is saying, don't worry, I'm going to help rescue them. But Krogug, Krogug's going a little overboard this episode and hits him with a poison jab with the best line of this episode being Don seeing Brock fall over and then telling Krogug, you're usually right, but this time I think you may have gone a little too far. And Krogug... Goku's <laughs> just dying from embarrassment. Oh man, I'm typically not a fan of the repeated gimmicks, especially in the same episode. We've already covered my frustration with Dawn and her Pokedex. I'm not a fan of the Brock gimmick as a whole, but this one, th- this one landed for me. I really enjoyed that Krogunk messed up, and the one time Brock serious and and yeah. Brock. Props to the voice actor for Brock. He has a certain way of talking when he's infatuated. Like he changes yes. his tone of voice. And I noticed it earlier in the episode where he like kept talking in that way, even though he wasn't talking to the girls he was trying to impress. He would yeah. like linger with that a little longer. And then he was doing that at his speech when Krogunk uh, hit him at the very end uh, when he shouldn't have. Yes, he makes it so, very distinct, which I enjoy a lot. Yeah, I think he pulls it off well. I'm just not a fan of the gag as a whole, but mm. I think it worked here. Oh, uh, one thing before we move on past this scene at the B-Button League is I did want to add that there was some good development from Dawn here that I saw, or some interesting development, rather. Um, when Ash challenges the trainers to a battle, he's typically just shown as like the most eager kid, like always wants to battle. And in other series, like all his companions, like take a back seat, like, Oh, Ash wants to battle. Mm -hmm. Ash is going to battle. And I think Dawn really stood out here where she's like, well, I want to battle too. And I'm going to go first. And Ash was like, Oh, okay. I guess this is happening. (laughs) Cause I don't, I don't think Ash has been, with that from a companion before like brock's so passive he mm-hmm. typically doesn't battle unless he's unless his hand is forced to um and typically the female companions aren't as focused on battlings and dawn not, isn't necessarily either but she has already shown that she wants to grow she wants to learn and she wants to give her pokemon as much experience as possible in different settings 
so I think showing that even as subtly as they did worked really well. And it was kind of refreshing to see a companion be like, no, Ash, I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's nice to see her curiosity still be active here as like I was kind of expecting her to be a lot less interested after just being beat down by Badu and Baniri the first two times something like this happened. But now seeing her kind of develop and still maintain that confidence uh, in this situation is pretty nice and also gives us more screen time with Piplup too. Which is always welcome. Yeah, and uh, going back to the scene here, it's pretty simple getaway, I guess, as Team Rocket scurries off uh, and, and out of the building with their balloon. And again, Ash being practical, usually, <laughs> somewhat practical, uh, uses Staravia to chase after them and figure out where they go as they disappear back into the forest. Um <laughs> And it's just like such a lush forest outside of Jubilife. And I'm pretty sure it's like the same one that they were in when the Pokich episode happened. So mm. and so a little it's just kind of funny to see because in the games there's like routes around it, but there's not like I, I mean like you could stretch it and say there's a very lush forest on one of those, but um I, I just thought that was a funny detail there. But anyway, Staravia leads them all the way to a house, apparently, that I, I, I'm i guessing Team Rocket, like, planned to have their machine be built in. Um, because I don't know, but I also don't know, like, who owns this house? Like, how long has this been here? There's just so much hand-waving in this episode. Like, mm -hmm. none of it, especially with Team Rocket schemes, like, they never make sense. But this one especially doesn't make sense. Like, there's some humor in it being so wacky, but downplays a lot of what happens here. Because as they get inside, they have this machine that instantly packs Pikachu in a capsule, basically. And it adds it to their collection of now-captured Pokemon, being the Phoebus, or, yeah, Phoebus, Magikarp, and Pikachu. Actually, I think they just capture... The Magikarp? I don't even know if they have the Phoebus, actually. They do They do have the Phoebus. It is okay. sitting in a small tank at the foot of the machine. I see. Okay. And they don't really do anything with it. <laughs> they're like, we just want the Gyarados. Because as they're going through the battle at the B-Button League, they're like, oh, yeah, Magikarp evolves into Gyarados. And this Magikarp's super strong. So if we evolve it, then there would be a super strong Gyarados that we could uh, use to take over the world or something. Um, which is why immediately they explain that they have this evolutionary machine, and that's why they're going to use this to evolve Magikarp. But after some very dramatic attempts on their part, uh, Magikarp just comes out the other side as a Magikarp uh, multiple times. And they can't understand why, which is like, oh my gosh, you you just got scammed again. Just accept it. I mean, but, even if they didn't get scammed, because it's left kind of ambiguous, that there are several mentions that they need to wait a week before using the machine. Exactly. Even if that's really just to cover mm -hmm. the scammer so he can get out of town. Right. Um, that's 
exactly what I was thinking is that that excuse or that disclaimer of the one week notice is more to make sure the sale, the seller can get out of there in time. But they're pretty stubborn about it. And after a few attempts with Magikarp, decide to use it on Pikachu, who comes out unharmed. And this is where their plan falls apart as Pikachu is now just free from their cage that they put it in. And it comes out with Iron Tail, frees our heroes from a cage as well. Um, and it's just Team Rocket falling apart as they really expected this machine to work. <laughs> they really banked on this guy. On yeah. This to not trick them for like the eighth time. Their investments were very sorely misplaced in this situation. Except they do have a secret plan B, apparently, where the machine turns into a mech robot. Of course it does. Of of course it does. Because why not? You know, gotta be multi-functional when you make these things. And it, it turns into what looks like a very um, sleek Autobot, but for Team Rocket. Yeah, very Transformers, like, it's very clear what they were referencing here. Yes, it's it's actually kind of cool looking. And oh, no, it it looks great. And I do like that Meowth makes it transform mm-hmm. by using a Wii remote. Yes. And he even he, oh he even gosh. says the word Wii as he does it. Oh, that's like, hilarious. It's very on the nose. He's like, oh, I have it written down here. He says, uh, yeah, he says, here we go, Wii, and then ah! hit, hits the giant button on the Wii remote-shaped remote. That's funny. Which, this is right around the time that the Wii had released in, well, in mm-hmm. Japan and in the U.S. Uh, by the time we get the translation for the episode. And it's not so, like we haven't seen remotes that Team Rocket uses before. They usually have like this panel thing with two antennas or something. So this is mm-hmm. very specifically a reference to that, even though it has like some buttons with different colors. But kind of fun to see that detail if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. And again, since they did have that B button reference earlier, it's it's clear that they were going for the, oh, hey, this is how the games are. Yes, they're effectively referencing consoles that don't exist in this world. And that's definitely the fun in it. But they're not having much fun discovering that this robot version of the machine is also a scam as it just completely falls apart. Right, they don't even get to use it. And then they no. see the disclaimer. <laughs> it says that the, the it only works if it's successfully evolved a Pokemon, which is a weird condition for a robot to work. Yeah, I mean, if it did work, I would be like, oh, it harnesses the energy from the evolution to do this. But we all know it's just a scam. <laughs> of course. But it's also time for Magikarp and Phoebus to shine a little more this episode. As Phoebus, or yeah, Phoebus jumps out their tank and freezes them with an ice beam. And then Pikachu finishes them off with a thunderbolt. Um... And right before that, we got Magikarp, I think, hitting them with a tackle as well. So, uh, that's pretty much it. Team Rocket's blasting off, and they understand that they've been scammed. We get a little epic shot of Feebas and Magikarp jumping high in the air, and they say goodbye to these people that they've barely talked to. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a real quick wrap up. Like, oh, glad everything worked out. We're going to go on to Floraroma Town. It's kind of rushed. Like, it feels a little like how the Orberg City Gym arc finished off. But this one was very particular. Like, like it's now sunset. So apparently they just hung out the rest of the day and then they decided to leave. It just, yeah, it seems out of place. I, and I think for me too, with how little they showed Feebas, but they were like, oh, we're going to like let Feebas battle after lunch. <laughs> and then like, oh, we're going to also put Feebas through the evolution machine, but they didn't. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like they ran out of time with this one. Definitely. Like they, they wanted to do a little more and then they ran out of time and then they just, I mean, there, there was less than a minute left by the time uh, the mech <laughs> yeah. breaks. Like by the time that last battle happens with Team Rocket, there's less than a minute left in the episode. It just squeezes so. into its runtime. Mm-hmm. So e- even like from a narrative perspective, there's a lot that they could have done with the concept of the B button league. Also within the plot itself, they clear- very clearly are like, oh yeah, and we know we're going to do these things, but Team Rocket kind of interrupts them. So mm-hmm. kind of a mixed bag there to keep this gag alive. The the concept had to die a little bit. But I was wondering if you did have one Pokemon that you would join the B-Button League for, what would it be? Ooh, this is a very good question, actually. Um, honestly, I think I would go with my favorite starter, which I mentioned before, is Totodile. Oh, okay. I'm honestly not a huge fan of the later evolutions. I think they're like really strong and like I always or anytime I get a chance to run a for alligator, I do. Mm-hmm. Um I actually finished my uh, copy of Moon with the for alligator cuz you can do the uh island scan and get one very early in the game or get a nice. early in the game. Um and I hadn't played a Pokemon game for a long time, so I wanted to run that. Um, but I do just adore Totodile, uh, rather than its evolutions. I feel like Croconaw is a little awkward and Broligator sprites are not great. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, definitely not a fan of the rest of the Totodile evolutionary line and also most of the Johto starters, really. So mm-hmm. good pick there. I also have a, a Johto Gen 2 Pokemon which would be Teddy Ursa because I love how cute it is. I have like a little plushie of it. And I first watched the episode where it debuted in the anime and then also in the Pokemon uh, 3 movie with Entei. And I I always try, like it was my dream Pokemon to get once I started playing the games. Uh, So much so that I think through GTS, I got like a level 100 Blissey. And then <laughs> when I found a Teddy Ursa on there, I was like, oh, what do they want? Blissey, take it. <laughs> and I just sent over this level 100 Blissey for a level one Teddy Ursa. <laughs> I think that was a good trade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it was great. I, I taught it like all the moves that I saw it used in the anime. And I'm just not a fan of Ursaring as much. I think they're very different in their tone and level of interaction that I would want to have with them. Uh, so that's that would be my pick for the B-Button League. I like it. Nice. Yeah. 
But now moving on to the rating of this episode, what would you give episode 21 you you want to see an evolution? I, I think it's clear that this is not near uh, the <laughs> top of my list. I, I have a hard time saying I straight up hate any of these episodes. I am probably going to give it like a three just in relation to the other episodes I've been on, the other ones we've discussed. I do really like all of the little references and callbacks that it had. I felt that the pacing was weird. Uh, I didn't like that the, um, what's his name? The Magikarp salesman had like a three minute flashback, like proving that he helped oh, develop yeah. this evolution machine. And that's time they could have easily given to like Feebas or anything else, really. True. <laughs> like ending the episode properly. I think they had a neat concept with focusing on not wanting to evolve Pokemon. I think it fell short in that while Feebas and Magikarp are both Pokemon that are known for evolution, there's not too much of a reason to not evolve them. <laughs> I yeah, I like like being practical here. They could have gone with something that, oh, it can only learn this move if it doesn't evolve. You know, because mm. that's the whole reason they give in the games is mm-hmm. you may not want to evolve your Pokemon right away if you want it to learn stronger moves earlier. But they don't they don't do that. I think the battles were fun. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. probably the most redeeming thing <laughs> aside from I did think that a lot of the jokes landed here, which was also nice. Yes, it's very much you either get the references and if you don't, the only thing you you really get from this are the battles. So I would probably give it a round of four because it had potential. There was some like ideas in there that would just be super nice to actually explore in this world. But it kind of ends up being a gag episode that also falls short. So that's kind of the frustrating part about it is that they could do something really cool here. But in the end, it just doesn't. It's kind of a like someone was writing this and scripting it and getting the storyboards together. And then they find out they found out they were running out of time and they had to hit the B button on it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I will say I did for once enjoy the cold open. I think it like set up the suspense in a way that like, oh, oh are yeah. they gonna are they gonna evolve Pikachu? Are they gonna do it? And I imagine like every kid who saw mm-hmm. this on a Saturday morning or whatever on Four Kids was like, whatever network it was on at this point, um, was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna they're gonna do it. They're gonna evolve Pikachu. It's gonna be a Raichu. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's actually some tension there, which is nice. But then you get uh, into the episode and you're like, oh my, of course not. Yeah, there's like nothing nothing going on here. Very clearly from the start, you could tell where it was going. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode. We've done this a few times already, but if there's some place where people can find you on the internet and you want to shout that out, uh, do you want to go ahead and share that now? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. At TurtleGuy512. It's the handle I like to use for this stuff. Interesting. 
Is five one two your your favorite Pokemon number? No, it's not. It uh, it's the area code that I okay. grew up in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> grew up in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, I use that number a lot on like everything. So. Do you know what Pokemon is five one two in the National Pokédex? Oh, I don't. I know it's got to be Unova, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you got the region correct. See, I, I, I do not know what it is. It is Simi Sage. Oh, really? <laughs> Give me Honestly, one of the elemental monkeys. Oh. I like the pre-evolutions, and out of the three actual evolutions, Simi Sage probably looks the best. Really? Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, Simi Poor and Simi Seer are just like, what happened? <laughs> None of them look great. Semi Sage got that uh, pompadour wig on. Yeah, he's rocking that like kind of mohawk. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's pretty much it for this episode of Sights on Sinnoh. So JM, thanks so much for going through this evolutionary process with me, or not, <laughs> as some might say. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. Uh, fun episode to talk about. Uh, not as fun to watch, but I did enjoy it all the same. <laughs> Definitely. And as always, you can watch these episodes yourself on watch.pokemon.com, where you can go to Pokemon TV, Pokemon's official way to watch the anime. And they rotate through episodes, so if you're watching this in the future, you might have something else there in your selection. But right now, you can catch Diamond and Pearl Season 1. They are the complete... 51 episodes i believe so go ahead and check that out if you want to watch along with us and as always feel free to subscribe and catch the next episode of sights on Sinnoh, where we get the introduction of a new pokemon next time and that's pretty much it so thank you for listening and until next time see you in Sinnoh.